Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fighting for the Remote. Fighting for the Remote, yay! Yay! My name's Caroline. And I'm Howard. And today we're going to be talking about episode five of Masters of the Air. Masters of the Air. Well, first of all, I think, um, I feel like this was really the best episode yet. 100%. And, uh, you know, just even like... The intro. I mean, like... Did it change? Like, has it been changing? Or do you think it changed this episode? um, If it's been changing, I haven't really noticed it up until today. But, I mean, the... um, Like, whoever picked the scenes Mm -hmm. and how they put it together flowed much more better. It was still the same style, but it didn't feel as stale to me. Yeah. Like, they picked much more intimate scenes, I felt. Like, there was a really close-up of an eye, and it was just more dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I agree. I think also, now that we've seen four episodes, they chose scenes that were more emotional. Yes. So, I think that's why I liked it better as well. I did, too. And then also, I mean, there's a... It looks like they're they're giving some previews of, you know, future episodes. So, you definitely start to see other characters that really haven't been introduced in the show. Yeah. It looks like they're going to start to appear. And that's, that's, um, I, I really like how it, I'm anticipating the, the show really broadening out, but yeah. Um, if but, you were here last time, you know that we were not fans of the intro. So <laughs> I think we've done a one eighty. So do you think it like on a scale of one to five, it went from like a one to a two? Or? I would say it went to a three. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's still not the most interesting intro that could be out there, yeah. but I think they did a better job of making us want to watch it. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, um, so this time they're, we're back with the 100th again. And uh, we, they haven't filled in any of the, you know, spoiler alert, you know, so there were some people that definitely were captured mm-hmm. in the last episode. They really haven't filled in any of those details. So I kind of wonder, do you think they're going to? I think eventually. They have yeah, to, right? you're right, because you want to see the closure of them getting back. Yeah. It's just weird that there was nothing about them. Just, you know, they got mentioned a few times, like um, Buck got mentioned in the script a few times, but... You uh, know why I don't think they were mentioned? I felt like this whole episode was about losing morale, and if you were showing someone getting back, it would have ruined that theme. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Yeah, I mean, they really focused... They focused very much on one mission, getting ready for the mission. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, they're going off to go bomb a train yard in Munster... Yeah. And, um, you know, the the story that I caught from the last episode was that um, Major Egan was struggling with this moral dilemma. He felt like, um, you know, he was starting to really feel the impact of the casualties on the ground. I mean, he was starting to talk about how there were people down there that were maybe not part of the mission, the collateral damage. And I think it was really, like, affecting him. And then you see... You know, now that he found out that his his friend mm-hmm. has, you know, gone down and he doesn't know whether he's alive or dead. He's just been shot down. Suddenly he is, he has like one emotion and it's anger. It's it's anger. Yeah. Blind anger. Yeah. He's uh, in rage. At one point he even says it doesn't matter if you kill women and children and bystanders and yeah. civilians because it's war. Yeah. And so he's very clearly justifying these acts through his emotions. Yeah. I really liked how they... Like they 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 brought that part of him like it suddenly like has overwhelmed everything else. I mean it's, I mean like even during the bombing run, you know his plane is taking tremendous casualties. His crew is taking tremendous mm-hmm. casualties, and he's only a little bit aware of what's going on in mm-hmm. his crew. 
but he displays the greatest amount of emotion when the plane is, I mean, they lose all their engines. Yeah. And, you know, he finally realizes that they have to, like, bail out. And In Germany. In Germany. And he can't hit the target, so he just says, let's just drop our bombs randomly on wherever we are. Yeah. And, you know, off we go. And, and, okay, so maybe they have to drop their bombs so they can bail out. Yeah. But still, he seemed like he was... He wasn't worried about it. Yeah. Like, it didn't... He was just like, just do it. Yeah. Yeah, he was... And, um, I, I don't know, just... He was so... You could just see. I mean, I really felt like they did a great job. He did a great job as an actor kind mm-hmm. of portraying that. Yeah, I think so. This was... Um, this was my favorite episode so far. Yeah. I think if the first episode had been like this, I would have felt much differently about the whole series. Really? Yeah. I think this is a very redeeming episode. I It was so interesting. I think we've seen loss before, but not only just like how emotional it was, but the shots were interesting too. Yeah. I felt like they were trying new things that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, I agree. There was that one tail scene that we were discussing when we were watching it where there was a camera mounted on the tail looking back at the tarmac as they were taking off for the mission. And then it changes to this really long pan of all 17 planes as they're going out. Right. So it was like kind of looking back and looking forward. That's something we talked about when the show was actually happening. Yeah. Um, There was a really cool slow-mo shot oh my gosh that was gorgeous it was really gorgeous i mean it put you in the scene i think because the fighter planes from the german side we can't really see them very much like they just kind of look like things that are zooming by you can't really see the people in them you can't see the details but that slow-mo shot just put it into such perspective and i think it's interesting that it almost like you could see the two people or the one person in it yeah and so it's like it's this juxtaposition of like now no one care like not no one now some of the characters are like you know not really struggling with this ethical side of war um right next to almost humanizing the enemy yeah yeah i agree i think you know in part of it too is maybe that you know i've heard that um people in like high stress situations sometimes it feels like time slows down like yeah. people who are in car accidents like they can like they're like, I can remember seeing, like, stuff happen in the car accident. And so, you know, I get a sense that that may have been something they were trying to portray. But, you know, just the the realism that they brought, you know, and then... It worked. Um, well, wait, really quickly. Have you ever had that happen to you? I... I have. I don't think... I can't remember. I have. You very have? distinctly. Really? Yeah. It was when I was driving my van back from San Diego to oh, Michigan. Yeah. It was raining. We were right around Memphis. And this truck in front of us started hydroplaning. It was in a rainstorm. Oh, okay. And there were uh, tornadoes near us. <laughs> it was kind of a crazy drive. Um, and I was in this cargo van that wasn't built out yet, so it was very light. All right. It was kind of scary. But anyway, this truck started hydroplaning. We were in the middle lane on like a four lane highway. Yeah. Okay. There's semis everywhere. It is not an empty highway. It's a very full highway. They hit the barrier on the left, completely turn around. So now they're facing us. Ooh. The issue is they're still hydroplaning left and right as they're facing us. And they're about 50 feet away. We're all going 60. Like the speed limit was like 70. We're, we're slowing down to 55 to 60 just in general. Yeah. But he's coming at me at 50. I'm going at him at like 65, probably. And I couldn't pick a lane because he was still shifting. And all of a sudden, something told me just to go a little bit left. And I had a friend who was with me. 
And she was in the passenger seat and she said we were maybe six inches away. And the way that time slowed down, like everything was so real life happened in slow-mo dad. Wow. And they missed us by maybe half a foot. And we listened for, cause I was sure that they were going to hit another car. They didn't hit a single car. They made it out into the ditch, but that was the like first time I'd ever experienced anything like that. Wow. Because it would have been a total, like, the van would have been totaled. Yeah. Airbags would have gone off. I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. It would have been really bad. Yeah. I'm sure you'd love to hear that story about your kids. <laughs> but I have experienced well, time well, slowed down. Sorry, <laughs> I made it back safe. <laughs> well, yeah. I So, you know, you you can clearly relate to that scene. I mean, I, it wasn't a war, but no. that slowdown effect I, does happen. I, you know, now that I think about it, I do have one recollection so i was in high school and a friend and i we were going to a college fair and he was driving and um it was a rainy night i remember that it was a rainy night we were driving i grew up in st louis and so we were driving from a suburb to downtown they had this big college fair downtown and we he was telling me on the way down he said because the rear tires on this car are not very good. <laughs> no. And I'm like, oh. Was so it rear rear wheel drive? It it was, I think. Yeah. I mean, this was in this was in the 70s, mm-hmm. so I'm sure it was. Anyway, so um, we started hydroplaning on a highway, and luckily it was it was in the evening, so there wasn't a huge amount of traffic, but we started spinning, and there was a concrete barrier that separated the you know the opposite direction traffic in ours and it was a four-lane highway in each way and i can remember we were spinning and the headlights would flash on the on the concrete median and then we'd spin past oh no and then we'd spin around and the median kept getting closer and closer and closer like every time it was like you know spin closer spin closer and i'm like so I took off my glass. I can remember taking off my glasses and holding on to them and like crouching down. And we slammed into this median. Oh, no. Um, and he was okay. And I was okay. But we stopped facing the wrong direction. Oh. Down the with Obviously, we didn't have any headlights on. Oh, because you had slammed into the median. Because we slammed into the median. And I'm like, I'm like Jim. He goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And I said, but we're facing the wrong way. We don't have any lights. So he, he like... The car was still running, and so he really? pulled over across four lanes of traffic, which nobody hit us, I don't still know, onto the shoulder, and then we drove about a quarter mile onto an exit, and I could still remember that. And, but I don't know if it was, like, how long it took us to spin. I mean, I'm sure you were spinning fast. Yeah, but, I mean, it just I can just remember it being, like, like those movies where, like, the monsters, you know, like, they like coming down the hallway. The lights blinking. Yeah, the lights are blinking. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, oh the, no. Your monster was the median. The monster was the median, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how time is affected when your adrenaline is so high. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's the adrenaline. Yeah. Now, there was another scene that I thought was similar, but I, I don't know if it was time slowing down and they were actually, but, like, the their, their whole group, the 100th Air Group, there were... 17 planes that started off. Yeah. And um, there's one plane, Rosen, Rosenfield, Rosenthal, mm. that's the pilot. And as they're flying along, um, you know, they start seeing the other planes. They're, you know, they're horrible things are happening. They're catching on fire. They're exploding. Oh, are you talking about with like all the debris yeah, was like, falling? And, and then all the debris, like there was a plane it that was above them. spooky. Yeah. I mean, it looked like 
as if it were confetti raining down, but it was car part. I mean, plane parts, yeah, propellers, fuselages, wings, just stuff. And I and I can remember. I don't know if you saw that one, one, but there was a guy that had bailed out of a plane, and his chute was trailing behind it him, wasn't but, it, opening. But, it, but it didn't deploy. So yeah. all you saw was the sky, and then the chute, and you're like, "Open, come on, open!" Yeah, and then we didn't see. Yeah, you didn't see. No, it was that was uh, I think. Favorite seems like the wrong way to say it, but like that was a really cool scene. It was the way that they did it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really puts you there and just the fact that you're going so fast and like you're in the air and all of these plane parts are around you and you know that they're going fast too, because it looks like they're going with you almost. Yeah. yeah. It was, that was wild. And just to see the destruction of what happened. Um, and I think what really hit hard for me is when they were looking around trying to see if anyone else from the hundredth had survived and every position eventually said negative they yeah. don't see anyone each of the each of the people in the plane was calling out they don't see anybody they don't see anybody and they, that broke my heart it did yeah it did. i think um maybe one other thing that was kind of interesting about this episode in particular is you saw their b-17s right is yeah. that what they are yeah. you saw the b-17 doing more dynamic flying because they didn't have to be with their group right because there was no group yeah they were trying to do those evasive actions they were doing evasive actions in such a big plane yeah. and it ended up working they yeah. they made it out of there and they eventually shot down the other fighters yes. um but i didn't realize how kind of stagnant it felt before when they aren't doing evasive actions because most of the scenes are literally them just flying yes. just flying and avoiding flak and shooting at the enemy yeah but other than that they have to hold that the yoke straight. Yeah, they're pretty much on a course and no deviation. It's just fly that course. So I don't know. It, yeah, that I think the other scene that I felt really like emotionally gut punched was at the end. They're doing their debriefing mm, and they were the only one. And and the uh, yeah, the, the group executive was he was going through the role of the 17 yeah. plane. He would say the name of the plane and the, you know, the crew number and, and, and say, you know, what happened, you know, kind of like what happened. And the, the single remaining crews, like no record. Like we don't they just kept saying it back to back to back yeah. because they didn't have time to log yeah. every other plane. They were also trying to survive. Yeah. I and think, um, their navigator, I think was hit too. Wasn't he? Yeah. they, there were two people off of their plane that they pulled out on gurneys. Yeah. Um, but the interrogation scene looked a lot different. Normally it's very loud and chaotic. Yeah. And it was so quiet and somber. Yeah. That was hard to watch. Yeah. Between, I mean, that and then the scene where um, Crosby is with the other guys cleaning out the, the bunks. Yeah. You don't think about it, but that has to be done. It does. And then when he read Bubbles' letter yeah. to his wife when yeah. he thought Cross was dead. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was. So, you know, to your point, I just think they they turned up really the, I mean, the, this episode was clearly yeah. better than the other ones. I think, uh, did it need to take five episodes to build up to us liking <laughs> them, though? You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, I mean. I understand a slow start, but I felt like four episodes of a slow start, that feels excessive. I, you know. You're, you're right, because, you know, and, and I was thinking about the same thing, too, Caroline, as we were watching it was, um, you know, as as I was sitting there thinking about, like, how I felt, there, there were people in the scenes that I only really learned about that episode. Yeah. 
and I felt horrible for him in that episode. Yeah. Different than how you felt when you, we lost characters yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, you know, the direction and the script or, you know, just how they portrayed them made them seem so much more real. Yeah. And I wonder could, what changed on the creation side. Like what, why did this direction change now yeah, on episode know. five? So one um, of the executive producers finally went in and looked at their initial reels. Said, and goes, these are boring. Yeah, like, we need to make doing? these better. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh, you know what? Another scene I want to talk about. We've, we, I think this is the first time where we jumped out of the plane with someone for like an extended, like oh, they had shown people jumping and maybe yeah. shown some air scenes, but this felt like a, like a second person view. Like we were someone jumping with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they also showed the difficulty of trying to exit the plane. Yeah, when the, that door shot. Yeah, the one guy got caught. I was afraid he was going to get caught in the propeller. Or, just, did that cross your mind or no? No, because he's under the planes and all the engines and everything are on the side. So it looked kind of close. Um, I was more worried that, like, you know, he was just going to get strangled and then just you'd yeah. see this dead body just hanging off. The I bottom. mean, how how fast are they flying? They're doing like 170. Being dragged out of a plane at 170 with your harness, what's holding you in? That sounds painful. It sounds horrible. Yeah. And you got to wonder. So, like, they... they if he was the got, last one to jump... Well, they, they pulled... The guy pulled the door, the pin, and yeah. so the door goes with him. Yeah. Did, did he ever get loose from the door? I'm sure when he was in the air, like, do you think he could have, like, then shimmied it out, or... I don't know. I mean, again, no closure, but I still felt for him. And also, we had just met him. Like... Why this episode was really good. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's um We're now we can now wholeheartedly recommend the series. Yes. Because of episode five. But you could just fast forward through the first four, is that what <laughs> well, we're saying? Yeah, well Maybe not. No, I, I don't know. Like I feel like if this had been the first episode, I would have been like, Okay, let's watch the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely it was it was definitely like a much better tempo. Yeah. Much better direction. Um, the scenery, the cam work, everything was like a, definitely a notch or two better yes, than it's been. So, something was elevated. Yeah. So all in all, it was good. Um, didn't see Meatball. No Meatball. No Meatball. But on a side note, <laughs> before the episode started, Caroline fed her dogs. <laughs> Dad! One dog likes to get fed in her crate with the door closed. <laughs> No, she doesn't actually, but we close the door on her. She's being crate trained, so she gets uh, treats and meals in her crate. And as an example of how much we were into this episode, we <laughs> forgot to let her out. <laughs> she was fine. She was probably napping, but um, we're getting up to go hook up the computer and the mic to record this. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she, she comes out and she's like, what did I do? No. She was more like, oh, is it tomorrow? How much time has passed? Is it time for breakfast yet? <laughs> we were right next to her. She was fine. Oh my gosh. This is the dog that wakes me up at four in the morning because Caroline doesn't like to be woken up. No, it's not that I don't like to be woken up. It's just like I don't wake up. I think she tries to wake me up. You think so? Well, I, I wouldn't know. I didn't wake up. <laughs> All I know is at four in the morning... I hear dog paws walking out of the room and the dog never comes in the room. And then I hear the tail hitting up against the closet door. <laughs> and then the dog comes up and sniffs in my ear 
And I'm like, do you want to go outside? And then I hear the tail going, thump, 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 thump. So which means that the dog has to go outside. Well, it's because she knows if she goes into yours and mom's room and she's loud enough, she'll wake you up. <laughs> she knows that I won't wake up. So she, anyway, she's preying on the weak. She's preying. No, I'm sensitive. She's preying on the sensitive. Yes, there we go. I benefit from it, so. We often told Caroline that when she went off to college, we were going to program our voices into her phone that would say, Caroline, wake up. Caroline, wake I up. I have a hard time waking up. I have actually slept through smoke alarms. Yeah, she has. I have. The whole family has made it outside of the house. What, what, how old was I? 12, uh, yeah, 13? Yeah. The whole family made it outside of the house, and then they realized I wasn't with them. <laughs> I was still asleep in bed. It was a spider. A spider had crawled into the smoke it alarm. Was. There was no fire. It was. But I I have I just have a hard time waking up. The only thing that wakes me up is the shrill voices of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have shrill voices. Well, I did consider recording your voices because I was kind of afraid when I went off to college yeah. back in the day yeah. uh, that I wasn't gonna wake up for classes and I did take eight AM classes. I know. I did wake up though. I became an adult. There you go. Yeah, but while I'm staying here, it's really easy to, like, pass off my dogs <laughs> onto my parents at 4 a.m. <laughs> I think she actually wakes up and then goes, go see your girl. No, I promise you, I don't wake up. <laughs> I promise. Okay. Well, anyway, so um, I guess the other thing I noticed, so I still we still continue to notice the blue cast. Yeah, which is definitely intentional. We've established that by now. It is. Um, the question is why? Like, do you think I, I think it's just an emotional it, thing. I think it's a do you think stylistic it would feel choice. Different if it wasn't, no. I mean, I, yeah, it would feel different, but I don't think it feels better or worse. I think it's just the style of the look. That's what they've decided to mm. go with the style. You look like you disagree. No, I'm just I'm questioning whether the style really adds. Well, if it didn't add, why would they even color grade? Maybe, um, <laughs> maybe they forgot to change it. No. And then it's gone all the way through release and they're like, shoot. If they were going to change anything, they would change the plot for the first four episodes. Well, maybe that would require like too much money. You know, they were, you know, this is probably so. Um, but not the plot. You know, we're talking this... about this when the Screen Actors Guild strike, you know, occurred last fall. Yeah. But when was this script was written? Probably filmed and everything last year. So by the time they... We need to just state that you don't know any of this. You're just speculating. Yes, but that's really what (laughs) podcasting is. No, usually people have research that they come to with the podcast. (laughs) They don't make it up? Well, we could make it up. We haven't haven't said that we don't make things up. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think, so I, I don't, I realize what you're saying is that someone has made an intentional choice on the, on the coloring of the, the footage, but I question whether or not it really adds anything to the artistic view. But I think it does. I think it does because it feels colder, not like temperature wise, but emotionally. Yeah, like vibes. The vibes are colder. Mm. You know, you're getting a cold shoulder sometimes. I I associate that color with like early morning. So you know, in early morning, you typically have a lot more blue shades to. You have blue hour. Blue hour. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Blue what hour, does that mean? Blue hour comes after golden hour at sunset, and it comes before sunset. It's called blue hour. But this is a morning 
And it, it's like morning and night, just like how you have golden hour. Really? It's blue hour. I've heard of the green flash. Well, isn't that a sea thing? No. You can Doesn't see it, it happen the over day. the ocean? It does more frequently because it's a less obstructed skyline. But yeah. I've seen it I've seen it over land. No, there's there's such a thing as a lot of people do blue hour photography. Ah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Now you know, you can practice. Now do they do they color grade the blue hour? Well, they probably enhance it. Okay. I mean, they're editing their photos. <laughs> Hello. Hello. All right. So the other thing that I have to, um, we have to talk about is, do you think? Wait, did you want to keep talking about the color though? I feel like you had a no, thought. I just. You don't like it, do you? I don't really feel like it adds anything, but that's I just okay. think, dad, it does. Because if color didn't add anything, everything would still be in black and white. Okay. I, No. Yeah. You're so saying... So, like, the, let, this week we watched a series or a movie about... It was called Finding Figaro or something. Mm-hmm. And... I, the, I saw half of it, yeah. The actress who who is the uh, the lead is an Australian accent, but she was playing an American. And she didn't speak with an Australian accent. She did a really nice job of speaking in an American accent. And I think... Um, that's an instance where you can have an intentional, you know, something going on that enhances the film. Because clearly her being an American and wanting to be this opera singer was something that was in particular very hard because she was, you know, in Europe, but not a European voice. And so this color grading, I know that you're saying that it's an intentional blue look. I just don't think... Like, <laughs> Dad, I don't think, I don't think the analogy like is a miss. That is character development. That is character development for her. So the... The, 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 the color, color is evoking emotion. It's setting a mood. It's like when you when you light a candle versus turn on a fluorescent light. Those are two different moods. They produce two different types of light. Well, it's producing a, a mood of you, irritation for me. Dad, you wouldn't have even noticed if I hadn't pointed it out. I would have felt it. No, you... Okay, see? That is the intention. It's because it's making you feel a certain way. It's making me feel irritated? No, it's making you feel irritated because you see it now. If you didn't see it, it would have made you feel how it's supposed to make you feel. And let's let's go on to something more important. Fine. More important. Do you think drinking alcohol enhanced the feeling? (laughs) We all had cocktails. So uh, I had my friend over, Victoria, and my mom and my dad were both watching this time. Normally my dad and I just watch it when I'm at home and it's just the two of us. Um, But all four of us are watching it tonight with old fashions and bourbon. And uh, I do think it enhanced it, but I don't think we like it that much because of the drinks. I think it just, you know, made an evening of it. Yeah, just made it nice. But I I happen to like, I like Manhattans, but I'm really a straight whiskey bourbon type of guy. But today I actually had it on the rocks. Yeah, you did. Normally you have it neat. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, I don't know. I can't do it neat. I'm not there yet. Yeah. I can barely drink bourbon. Yeah. I'm really, I start off being a single malt guy. Mm. Glenn Livett. Drank Mm. that for years. And then when I first started tasting bourbon, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I really like it. It does It's like different than whiskey. But um, now, now I'm pretty much a bourbon guy. Okay. Yeah. I like um, non-smoky bourbons. If it's smoky, is it's still like a bourbon, right? Yeah. Or there's a, or is it rye? What is it called? Or everything's bourbon, right? It's just types of bourbon. Um, well, everything's whiskey. 
everything's whiskey. Bourbon is a type of whiskey, and rye is a type of whiskey. Rye is made with a different. It's a different grain, grain ratio. Yeah. yeah. We, I went to Buffalo Trace and I got free samples and they educated me, but I didn't take notes. <laughs> so I don't remember any of it. Maybe we should do a podcast. Ooh, <laughs> trying to like bourbon. <laughs> you you hate it too. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's probably a thousand people who are doing bourbon podcasts. So. I don't I don't want to do a bourbon podcast. There'd oh, be too good. much bourbon in my life. There we go. Well, anyway, so yeah, definitely um, you might want to drink more heavily in the first four episodes. <laughs> Have some bourbon. Yeah. Maybe watch Memphis Bell and then watch. The Memphis Bell is another B-17 bomber movie. Oh. You could watch that so you would kind of get in the mood. It's just a lot of military back-to-back. There is. Yeah. All right. So um, what else is uh, anything else well, that Let you me notice? look at my notes. Um, no, I don't think so. I think. You know, we talked a lot about what we thought about it. It looks like from the sneak peek for next episode, there's going to be a lot happening. Yeah. Um, So I'm interested to see how the show continues. Yeah. And I think this is the first time really that um, during their mission, one thing that I had noticed before, Caroline, is that I never really saw fighter escorts in previous episodes. There was last episode. They may have, but they didn't really actually. They didn't talk, talk about them. But this time they actually mentioned, oh, there go the fighters because you know they're gonna, they're at their their turnaround limit, their their return limit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there are some very famous fighter escort groups, and mm. in, uh, in particular the Tus- Tuskegee Airmen, mm-hmm. which is also another great military movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm hoping maybe they bring in that because that was, it looks like they're going to. Yeah. From the new intro. Yeah. They're a brave group of airmen and, you know, it'd be great to kind of enhance the story with them too. Absolutely. So. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we also, just as an announcement, we have a way that you can contact us if you would like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, you can uh, send us an email at fightingfortheremote at gmail.com. That's right. And uh, if you've got any things that you'd like us to you know, talk about or some comments or recommendations for our next episodes, hit us up, okay? Yeah. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify, so um, like us and subscribe on those too. Yeah, leave a review. All right. All right, thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. All right, see ya. Bye.